The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome into the Ole Miss Not So Morning After Show. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and a fit of on three. And he is Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vets. The regular season for Ole Miss football, can you believe it, is over. Ole Miss finished 10-2, including a 17-7 win over Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl and Start Bowl on Thanksgiving night. Woof, woof, what a bad game. But, hey, Ole Miss won the second 10-win regular season in Ole Miss history, the ninth 10-win season in Ole Miss history. And if they win their bowl game, whether it's a New Year's Six or in Florida, Ole Miss would then secure its first ever 11-win season. So big things are happening. Not much to say about the game other than, hey, the Golden Neck has returned home. Hey, Brad. What's up, Ben? Um, Yeah, all in all, man. Um, I feel like we've said this a lot lately, you know, ugly. Ugly ball game, but you know what? Excited to get the win. I think if you look at um, at Ole Miss, man, they're they're pretty banged up. I mean, around the board, Jackson Dart is one hundred percent one of the toughest dudes I've ever seen play at Ole Miss. Just from a sheer like, there, there's no question that kid got knocked out in the middle of the field yesterday, unless he just completely faked that and came back two plays later and threw some of his best balls of the day. So, um, you know, just watch him play. I just think Ole Miss is a little bit banged up watch them play, you know, just all around. You get your lineman missing. Jackson Dart was a little banged up. But you know what, man? They found a freaking way. They did. They found a way to go 10-2. and two. Um, You know, I think they exceeded everybody's expectations. I think the over-under in Vegas was 7.5 for this season for them. And, um, you know, all in all, man, I mean, I feel good. I woke up feeling good today. I mean, the game was disgustingly ugly, but I feel I feel good to be a 10-2 and, two, 10 and two team. Quinshawn secured back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. Ole Miss is 10-2. Jackson Dart, um, you're right, he did look banged up, only threw for 96 yards, but still found a way to grit it out and win. Ole Miss defensively played really well. But now that we're, we're hitting the offseason here, that's what I want to touch on. But first, since we do it and we've done it every single game, give me your three helmet stickers for for Ole Miss's 17-7 win over Mississippi State. You know, I think the first one, and I think the only reason why we, we won this game was because of Judkins. Um, yeah, he did not have a whole lot of help up front blocking wise. I mean, I think that, that they, they did okay, but man, the, the O-line again struggled and I think it affected the whole offense, but the way Juckins ran the ball last night, it was the most personal, violent bit of running I've ever seen. And I didn't realize that hell is 700, 700 of his yards this year came after contact. That is, um, mm. that's, that, that's different. That, that's a different kind of kind of deal. So I think Judkins, you know, just all in all, I mean, the way he played last night was, was worth all the helmet stickers, but he, um, man, he just ran personal. And, and when, when we needed a player to step up, you know, he was there and he constantly, you know, inflicted pain on them when he could, you know, all, all of their defense was, I mean, hell number 14 Watson had 21 tackles. Um, but you know, he, he kind of put the t- team on his back and Judkins wasn't on our team last night. Ole Miss maybe loses that game. Um, you know, I think that's how important, you know, how important his game was and for him to run the way. I mean, it was, it was a hard four yards of carry, brother, buddy. I mean, that was, that was a, a, a violent four yards of carry every time. I mean, he, he got stuffed a bunch too, but man, he, you know, anytime he gets the ball 28 times, that's, you feel good about it. So I got to go with Judkins as my first one. 
And then I would go second one. I mean, you look at Dejon Anthony. I think he had a monster game, 15 tackles himself from the from the secondary, which is a new career awesome. high for him. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? He all year, man. I mean, I'm not sure. Is it is he got another year or is he done? I think he's got another year, but he's probably going to go pro. I'm not positive on that. Though. Gotcha. It, well, it, he is a um he's been impressive and fun to watch this year. He's got some real upside. He's a really athletic kid, long. Um, the way the way he flies around and plays ball, I mean, I think he's gonna he's gonna have a chance to do something. Yeah, I don't want to say for sure one way or the other because I just don't know. Um, without you know, offhand, I'd have to go look it up right now. And I was asked about Zamari Walton, for example, last night. I'm pretty sure he's maxed out. Uh, now that you're getting toward the end of all the COVID guys, I mean, there's going to come a time when we understand eligibility, but right now we're still getting through the end of the pandemic, you know, stuff. So uh, I don't know exactly what Dejon Anthony uh, the plan would be for him. Um, but if he does have extra eligibility, I know that Ole Miss would absolutely love him back, to have him back because you're absolutely right. He's a transfer from Liberty. And I remember in the offseason when he committed to Ole Miss, um, let's just say one of his former coaches, he's from Liberty, one of his former coaches uh, made it a not so, you know, not so many, not so secret reaching out to different people at Ole Miss saying, hey, what are what is Ole Miss doing? Why are y'all signing this kid? And he's probably been, if not their defensive MVP, certainly – uh, top five defensive player for Ole Miss this year, you know, and I, I think you know when I look when I look at this defense and I look at how Ole Miss got to ten wins defensively, there were ups and downs as we knew there would be under Pete Golding, but they really did hit pretty darn well, especially in the portal with guys like Dejon Anthony, John Saunders, who were so Zamari Walton, who were so instrumental and critical in this defense being able to have a turnaround at all and. You say, and I agree with you. If you don't, if Ole Miss doesn't have Quinshawn Judkins last night in the Egg Bowl, they don't win that game. Absolutely true. And if Ole Miss hadn't gotten that influx of portal talent for the defensive side, I can't even imagine because that was a bad Mississippi State team with no perimeter options to really challenge Ole Miss. And yet, at one point, it was seven to three. It, it was a marketed improvement um, in the first year under Pete Golding. So, hat tip to him. Your third helmet sticker goes to who? I got Caden Prescorn, man. I think, you know, he – this guy, if you watch him all night, and he's, he can block. The kid can block. He goes hard. He he had a big play last night for a touchdown. He got overthrown one time on the scene, which would have been another big play. But um, just the way he played the game, man, I mean, he's a he's a big part of this offense. Um, blocked well all night. Quite a few times he was he was making some blocks that sprung, um, sprung Juck, and so – I think he quietly, not not crazy numbers wise, but I think he had a, had a great game. And and man, he's gonna be one of those guys that you wish you had two of those two of those guys for for next year, or, or you know, or, or somebody like that stepping in. Because those guys are just invaluable, man. I mean, he's just so consistent. I didn't realize that um, they they had some stats on ESPN. I don't know how they know these stats, but apparently he's only had one one blown run block this year. I guess that's some BS, PF, you know, whatever. But pro football talk or whatever, whatever those sites are. Pro them, but focus. yeah, but I don't, I don't know how they would know that. But hell, at least when they're watching the film, they know hell he's doing his job. So, um, you know, it, it sounds like it sounds like the kids had a, had a monster year quietly. So, especially in the in the run game. So, I, I think yeah, man, I think he was he was a big part of part of our success last night, especially in the run game with the way they were line play. Well, obviously, uh, the plan coming in for Caden Priestcorn this year was to ball out under Lane Kiffin in this offense and go pro. He dealt with the injury stuff, didn't uh, debut until Alabama, only scored two touchdowns, including the touchdown against Mississippi State. A really cool play, too, because they'd been running that quarterback keep option. That, that They'd been just pounding Mississippi State with pretty basic stuff just because, honestly, with the patchwork offensive line they had, they were just going to lean on the players they did have that are good, that are known commodities, which is pretty much Quinshawn and Jackson Dart. And they rode Quinshawn as he just, like you said, ran so angrily. Yeah. Um but Caden Priestcorn, I mean, he scores the touchdown. They'd set it up, and it's a, like a pop pass on a run action, wide open. That was his second Ole Miss touchdown. And I think because of that, that he wasn't healthy, he's got a good NIL deal with Ole Miss. They'll obviously bump him up a little bit. Um, if he's not getting back right now, the draft feedback that he was thinking he would have at this point, which is completely understandable considering the injury and considering just everything around it this year, I could absolutely see and see him coming back. So when you look at like the core of next year, Caden Priestcorn and Jackson Dart and Quinshawn Judkins, I mean, there's going to be an, another negotiation with Quinshawn. You know there will be. Um, he's he's the best offensive weapon you have. So 
you're going to have to pay a little bit more for him. You're going to have to get some portal wide receivers. But as you're looking now to the postseason, maybe it's a New Year Six, maybe it's the Citrus Bowl. That's less of a concern for me than what they're about to do in the portal, which I think starts on the offensive line because really it got bad at the end of the year, Brad. Yeah, it's got real bad, dude. And, and you know, I, th- I think I won't, I, I, I really hope Priest Corn would come back. But him coming back, there's there's still no way he can improve his draft stock. He is what he is, man. He's a he's not necessarily a receiving tight end. He has ability to receive, but his value is a, is a Y tight end. He's an inline Y type of guy who can catch the ball, but will be asked. There's multiple guys like this in the build that that'll be asked to block more than he will be to receive. And I think he put enough on film blocking wise to go exactly where he would go. Now I hope he comes back. Don't get me wrong for selfish reasons, but you know pre scoring's kind of kind of is what he is, man. I mean, he's he showed his value and why why he'll have the chance to play on Sunday and that's gonna be blocking. So um yeah, dude, the man, the this game this game in general, um, you know, just just the way it was played out. I think that, you know, Judkins, man, he had he had some stuff throughout the year, you know, where we're getting on him a little bit, but man, he just he just come home showed that old value. You know, he's gonna have to go and pay the guy like, hey, this guy's just going to make you about two wins better because when you need them and you can't do shit on offense, what do you do? You give it to Jenkins who just is out there punishing people. Um, <laughs> so yeah, get, get ready. I'm sure that's going to be a, another, another debate. Um, you know, that this off season, that, you know, him was going to transfer, you know, whatever, you know, we're going to pay. The oh, it, it's going to be, oh, well, here's the thing. Like last off season, uh, obviously schools competing schools came after Quinn Sean and, went through inter- intermediaries to try to see or gauge his interest if they offered this. And Ole Miss was able to not only sustain all those different suitors coming from different angles, but up the deal, which was beneficial for both parties. And But, like, that's the cost of doing business now. That's the weird thing. It's the day yeah. after the Egg Bowl, and we're talking numbers and dollars and cents instead of talking about Ole Miss has now won three out of, three out of the last four Egg Bowls. Um they get the the golden egg back after such a disappointing end last year. Ten wins, the second ten win regular season in Ole Miss history, and that was the fun conversation, at least for me, on Thanksgiving. I don't know about you because I'm sitting there with my in laws, and my sister in law is a huge Swifty, and she's doing all the stuff about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, and she want to talk about all these things. But then she starts asking me like Swifties now because of this are starting to ask football questions. So she's asking me, all right, what does he do? What does he do? Blah 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 blah. blah. And the astonishment that she had with the money that is now being paid to these players, it was kind of fun to say, because like we live in it every single day, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, Quinshawn's making over a million dollars in an NIL deal. And to a person who honestly has no interest in sports, that sounds absurd, but it, it also shows you that how the culture has changed and the cost of doing business in Ole Miss's position. Now, when you look ahead to 2024, if they do bring back Jackson, if they do bring back Quinshawn, Jordan Watkins comes back. I think Trey Harris is gone. Dayton Waite's probably gone. You're going to have to get another wide receiver. Aiden Williams, man, you thought it'd be this year, but definitely next year. You're going to have to pay those guys, too, who have a one-year penalty-free transfer still available to them. You're going to have to recruit them back. There's so much activity that is coming. It's hard to just sit here day after and go, oh, yeah. Almost got the egg back, you know. It just it was it was a very procedural type of game and type of atmosphere around the egg bowl. It's kind of weird. Yeah, man. Taylor Swift's going to grow the cleat chasing population by yes. triple. Yeah, I mean it's going to it's going to get out of control. But uh, you know it, what I what I see, man. What I what I think would be really cool, and I hope that that Ole Miss and the players do. Um, you know, I hope someone in that locker room, Jackson Dar, Juck, and somebody sits down and with everybody that has a chance to come back and says, "Hey, guys, like." We have something to do something real. We have a chance to do something really freaking special. You know, if you, if you think you can go to the NFL, make some significant money, do whatever, go to the portal, whatever, but, but we have everything in place coming back. If, you know, everybody that can come back will come back. Um, you know, with the 12 team playoff expansion, we don't play Alabama next year. We just play Georgia at home. Man, it's right there for the taking. It really is for, for Ole Miss to really actually make a run. Now, I have expectations this year. I, I didn't have high expectation due to our schedule. This next year, I'm expecting us to be in the playoffs. If we don't go in the playoffs, I'll be extremely disappointed, especially when we have coming back. So you look at what we have and you say, hey, you know, let's 
let's do this. Plus, we're going to add. You know, you know, Kevin's going to add add to this this already really talented roster. So, man, that's that's what I'm hoping the conversation is. I hope it doesn't turn into a whole. I'm the reason we're ten and two, and a bunch of selfish yeah. people won't get paid and leaving and all that, which just destroys you know your team. I get it. You know, people want money, but you know. At the end of the day, if you're well taken care of and you think you're going to be an NFL player anyway, that's where the real money's going to come from. This little bullshit fifty grand they're giving out and all that—that's that's that's nothing. You're going to make that per every Friday in the NFL if you do well. So we are prisoners uh, to the moment, especially when we're young. And when you if you'd have weighed fifty k in my face when I was eighteen, <laughs> God, yeah. come on, man, come on. Um, but you're right. I mean, I think that when you look ahead and you think about what they can be, it sounds ludicrous to be talking this way. Because we're not used to this, you know. Oh, if Ole Miss doesn't make the playoff, you're going to be disappointed. But when you consider the expansion, when you consider that they were a top twelve team all year, all year, never once did they fall past the top twelve in top twenty five polls. Maybe in the college football playoff poll, poll, but now they're number twelve. They're ten and two. It, it's right there for them. Of course, that this team would have been in the expanded playoffs. So then next year, without the benefit or or maybe just uh with the benefit of not playing Alabama yes that should be the expectation and that has become the expectation they're about standing on business and they went in there and played a terrible game against Mississippi State and a lot lesser teams would have lost that game 2009 Ole Miss I mean it was the exact same pregame setup and yet this team despite the adversity despite the inevitable touchdown that gives them life still was able to find a way. And that's what they've done all year. That's what they did all year. So now with that in mind, let's hand out some post-regular season awards. Your offensive MVP is who? Um, Jackson Dart, 100%. I mean, I think that, you know, the jump he took this year, he was much safer with the ball. Um, You know, I, I just think overall, man, like he's kind of faced the program. Like that dude is tough as hell. Like it, it ain't always – Jackson Dart's got this weird way. He's not this stats. He's not a Kirk Cousinsy type stats guy. Like he'll he have had ninety six yards passing and thirty yards rushing last night in a win. Yeah, he's he. But guess what? He threw the touchdown. He threw the touchdown to Caden Prescorn, and right. he made the win. He made the run into the game and ran the dude. Like Jackson Dart's not going to put you up unbelievably gaudy numbers. It, it, that's not his game. His game is taking care of the ball. Be in there when you need him most. Like he's like a clutch bastard. That's the only way I can like put it. Like he's always he always made the throw this year when we needed it. And that to me is you know he, he's a gamer. He knows he knows you know do, do I want him to do better at times and throw a ton more? Yeah, you do. But like he finds ways to win ball games. And when, when the ball's in Jackson Dart's hand, I think every Ole Miss fan feels pretty damn comfortable. Um, you know that that that's something that a chance that there's a chance something's going to happen. You know, you look at two drives this year, that LSU drive and that Texas A&M drive. I mean, that that was that was big time. When we needed the touchdowns, guess who led us down there and got the touchdowns? Jackson Dart. So, um, and, I mean, Juckins is right there with him, but I think that, you know, overall this year, Jackson Dart was that guy, man. The difference between this team, this Ole Miss team, and, and past competitive Ole Miss teams and Jackson Dart, what separates him from maybe more gaudy numbers type of quarterbacks that come through Ole Miss is, in my opinion, I think it was kind of cemented against Texas A&M when they fall behind and then they drove the length of the field, scored with a little over a minute to go. It's just different, right? I mean, there was no doubt in your mind that Jackson Dart with this team and this old old Miss, they wouldn't have recovered. Something disastrous would have happened after that Texas A&M score and they would have lost a game they weren't supposed to and then the Egg Bowl would have gone like it went and they'd have come out on the wrong end of it inexplicably. Um, if, if Hugh Freeze was the head coach, like with New Mexico State and Auburn, like with Memphis at Ole Miss, I mean, you can go through any number of examples here. This is not the same Ole Miss. It's just not. And the way that they're operating um, at such a high level as far as, especially in the areas where they're where they need to be operating at a high level, including the portal. I mean, maybe they don't have the biggest operation. They don't with the Grove Collective, but they have one of the most – um, well-structured and well-organized collectives. And that was a, a group effort. I mean, a lot of different people at Ole Miss that really cared about this, you know, that they've been working nonstop for the last however many years as NIL has blown up to make sure that Ole Miss didn't get left behind, to make sure that Ole Miss wasn't having to move on from a head coach after a single year because, you know, they're they're in a wasteland of of irrelevancy. 
Ole Miss is in a different place. And so I think absolutely Jackson Dart is the face of that. All right, defensive MVP is who? Man, you know what? There's there's a lot of guys that played well. Like you say, Trey Washington. You could say Dejon Anthony. But I think there's like the staple, like the face of our defense was definitely Piggies, man. I think that some of the athletic plays – there were some plays last night, man, like you just – unless you played O-line, D-line, you just wouldn't wouldn't understand. Like some, some of the stuff he's done for us this year, the way he's played, man, I think that he's just one of those guys, you know, hope he's coming back, you know, and I, I think I think he will. But he's just such an exceptional athlete. Um, if there was one, there's D line wasn't great all year. I mean, they weren't bad, they weren't great, but there's one guy that was consistent. It was him. You know, he was he was the one guy in my mind that was, you know, if you had two more of him, you'd you'd feel you'd feel like you had Alabama or Georgia type D line. So, and I'm gonna go with Piggy. I just enjoy watching him play. He didn't have crazy numbers, but I think that he was very disruptive a lot of the year, even when others weren't. So I, I'm I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna go with him, dude. I like that pick because JJ gives a shit. He still cares. And in this culture okay. where it's less about we're all used to going into an egg bowl and saying, All right, it's my group versus your group. We hate y'all, y'all hate us. We want bragging rights. It felt very personal every single year for the thirty-seven years of existence on this earth for me, up until the explosion of NIL and even first couple of years of it you felt that you still felt that very visceral personal attachment to uh the team you you cheer for you cover whatever there, there was a personal attachment component to it and now because of this it feels much less personal but there are still old like old heads right of, of a of a bygone era like a jj piggies who was born and raised in oxford went to auburn got swept up in the recruiting stuff comes back home and man it means something to him for Ole Miss to be 10 and 2. And it means something to him not just because he can, you know, do an Instagram live video with a cigar from the locker room. It means something to him because Ole Miss means something to him. So that's a great pick um, because it's, it really wasn't the one I was thinking. I was thinking, you know, well, Trey Washington led them in tackles, and he still cares. I mean, that's a four-year starter staying at one place or a three-year starter out of four years, staying at one place all four years. That doesn't happen at all anymore either. But J.J. is the perfect embodiment of – a bygone era of guys that really cared. All right. The breakout player of the year for you was who? Uh, breakout player of the year, I would say probably Dayton Wade. I think he was good last year. I think this year he was very good. I mean, he he, he was he, he made plays, but this year I think you could say he was arguably number two. Co number two with <laughs> with um with Watkins. And if you look at his stats, I mean Hell, he put up some crazy numbers this year compared to last. I mean, um, yeah, I, I want to say he had five, six hundred yards receiving. I don't know, I don't know the exact number, but um, actually, had seven. No, damn, I just looked. He has seven sixty nine. He's almost a thousand yard receiver. Um, and to me, I mean, he had three hundred yards the year before. So I mean, that's that's doubling your production and um, you know stepping up whenever you know. I I think if Marshall's here and um. I think you got Mar I think Marshall would have stayed. I think you got Harris and Walk. I don't think he would have even seen Dayton Wade a ton this year. You know, you'd probably seen the same similar roles last year, but you know, you lose a guy like that and he steps up and gets seven hundred and sixty-nine yards receiving. So to me, I mean that's pretty breakouty to me. The Olmus Morning After Show with Ben and Brad is brought to you by Jake Ott of Bank of England Mortgage. Buying a home? Take the first step by getting pre-approved by the Jake Ott team at your local Bank of England Mortgage. Buy with confidence knowing the exact cost and what to expect by getting the paperwork behind you on the front end, making for a relaxed, stress-free home buying experience. Whether it's your game day condo, starter home, dream home, investment property, beach house, or mountain home, Jake Ott and Bank of England Mortgage have the financial solution for you. And through the end of 2023, they're offering no-cost refinance for all who purchase in the current high-rate economy. Interest rates will come down soon, but Jake Ott and Bank of England Mortgage will be there to save you big money on your refinance when the time is right. Let Oxford's best take the stress out of your home buying experience. Check out Jake Ott and the Bank of England Mortgage team at www.boeoxford.com. That's boeoxford.com. Or you can contact Jake directly at 662-832-4663. That's Jake Ott of Bank of England Mortgage, the title sponsor of the Ole Miss Morning After Show with Ben and Brad.
The College Corner is headed to Oxford. Stop by their new location in the Oxford Commons off Sisk Avenue. They'll have 4,000 square feet of Rebel gear ready for your trip to the Grove. On your next trip to Oxford, stop by the College Corner or our other great locations in Ridgeland and Flowood. Hats, shirts, polos, pullovers, sweats, t-shirts. College Corner has it all. And as always, you can visit us online at collegecornerstore.com. That's collegecornerstore.com. The College Corner, where your game day apparel meets. The signs of summer are here. Freshly mowed grass, days in the water at the ballpark, and all the rest on the golf course. Well, that's how we do it over here at Oxford and Ole Miss anyway. And PXG Golf Apparel is here to make sure you're locked and loaded for round after round at University Course or Oxford Country Club. PXG has taken its mission to create the most high-quality, high-performance golf clubs in the game to their new line of apparel as well. With PXG Apparel, there's something for everyone. From pants, polos, and sweaters to hats, joggers, and skirts. You'll usually find me with a hat on my head, and PXG has nailed the fitted breathable. And my navy goes with pretty much anything. So don't wait another second. Elevate your style game on and off the course with the PXG Spring Summer 2024 Collection. Head over to pxg.com TOC and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions at checkout to save 10% on all apparel. That's pxg.com TOC. Code TOC for Talk of Champions to save 10% on apparel. BXG, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The sun's a shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an old Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with UFI Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver. So ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. All right, so um, really proud of our players. I know coaches say a lot of times when you win a game and, you know, it's one play game at the end. I thought our guys played great defense basically the whole night, um, you know, played really well in the second half running the football and then ended the game running the ball. So um, that's really good to see. We put ourselves in a lot of poor positions by continuing to punt, but we were playing to our defense at times too and being conservative because thought that was a good matchup for in the game. And once the game got going, um, really felt that way so thought our guy you know we weren't perfect by any means we made it really hard there were a couple of plays that could have made it really easy and we screwed up some situations but um you know for guys to come through on a couple of short yardage big plays you know the pop pass um the breeze corn was huge obviously and then jj finishing the game with your d tackle running the ball um to make sure you you know get a long one there to convert and basically in the game so excited to get the trophy back. Uh, that was really painful last year to lose that. I, you know, kind of thought maybe that, you know, if you're ever going to lose it, you know, that once we learned later on that that was Coach Leach's last game, that um, maybe that was meant to be. So 
Um, I miss him. I missed him today, and um, we'll never forget him. So, but I'm glad that obviously we got it back to us, and um, where we hope to keep it for a while. Questions? Mike, this is the uh, the second time in regular season in program history. You're the second coach to ever win ten games in, in multiple seasons at Ole Miss. Uh, when you look back at when you first took this job in, in 2019, what has allowed this program to take the strides that it has, uh, especially where it was when we got here? Yeah, I don't think any of that could have been predicted. That's been a very strange path the first year with COVID, you know, and so you don't really have a chance to play non-conference and, and get 10 wins or something. So, um, which arguably could have been our most explosive team had it not been for COVID and then opt-outs and all SEC schedules. So, and we've had a lot of change. The portal and players and our staff. And if you go back and look over staff, we've lost multiple coordinators. All three coordinators on, on special teams we've lost every year and um, have a new guy. And so um, just really proud of the guys coming together. That's not easy. Um, and whatever it is, about half of our significant players are new portal guys. And that's a credit to, for them to gel together. I've said it that that system doesn't always work or else everybody would just sign all portal guys. Everybody would sign all free agents in the professional sports. You know, it looks good on paper sometimes, but then they got to gel together. They got to buy in. They got to take lesser roles, and that's hard to do. Um, so I credit our, our guys. Um, it wasn't easy along the road. Some guys aren't even here anymore. But these ones that stayed, these ones that bought in, um, it's really showed up because here, again, you had another second-half uh, comeback game where we're behind again. Wayne, considering what uh, Pre-Sworn kind of went through this year to see him kind of get that touchdown to to give you all some separation in this game, like a two-possession separation, what did that kind of mean? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't have, uh, have seen a guy go through a worse year at that age, um, lose, lose his father, something else that's probably his position to tell you that was really, really tragic that happened to him. And he just, you know, Besides going to the funeral, got right back here, never missed a day, just kept working. And um, and then injuries, too, throughout the year. And he wasn't very healthy today running out there and still found a way to play. I think he played every snap, you know, besides a few personnel substitutions there. So really, really cool story. And sometimes where there aren't great stories, sometimes of guys that are doing things, this is really a good old-fashioned good story of a guy just being a team guy, hadn't caught a touchdown until last week, never complained, even though he transferred here and had big numbers where he was at before, comparable with all the stuff going on. So I, I really do love him. Oh, Lane, you talked about how throughout the season how your team excuse me, has found multiple different ways to win games. It seems like your special teams kind of catapulted you earlier in the game. What do you have to say about Fraser Mazin's performance, you know, keeping Mississippi State within the 20s throughout the, the whole first half? Yeah, and I thought there was, on the one they finally got a return, I thought there was two, for sure one, blocking the backs on it. So I thought our coverage units did good. He angled the ball really well. We used starting corner and prints a lot of times we use d wade even as a gunner um because just felt that we were going to play really good defense we didn't want to give him a special teams return play um you know to kind of light a fire in the stadium so we went all out on that what coach um obviously with the regular season complete now how, how would you assess jackson dart's growth now that you can look back at the whole season from last year uh really well i think we had the big passing games early and stuff um I think that, you know, not having some linemen helps, or, you know, some different protection issues and that we got to work through and call plays a little bit different, especially against that defense. Um, but I think his leadership skills and his toughness, uh, you know, can't be questioned. I mean, he, you saw the hit he took and he's going back in there before you can even get him to not go in. So you don't even have a choice, choice to hold him out. Um, and, you know, Spencer Sanders, went in for actually plays we had scheduled where we kind of had one where Dart would limp off so they would think he was out knowing we would just run it and had speed option um, with Spencer. So um, good Spencer went in there and made a play too for us. Lane, uh, you guys are going to be right on the borderline uh, of the New Year's Six. Um, what, what would your pitch be to the selection committee of why Ole Miss deserves a spot in the New Year's Six? Well, I'm not going to go on a very long one because one, I call my buddies and coaches. That don't work. 
So they all do it, and they start like mid-season. This is why we're oh we're in four, and we should be three. You know, like it doesn't even matter. Just get in the four. But with this, they're, they're not going to listen to me and say, "Oh, that was a good point, Coach Kiffin made. We're going to move them up, put them in New Year's six. Uh, but I mean, I think this one's a pretty good argument. Where you know you went ten and two, super hard schedule. Even you know on conference, people for the most part played well, but. Your two losses are at Alabama and Georgia, the two people going to SEC, playing as well as anybody at their place. So, you know, I'd like to see the other 10-2 and two people end up 10-2 and in their losses, and I, I would doubt their losses are going to be harder ones than those two places to play because Georgia's about 30-0 and 0 there are their last 30 games, and Alabama has now lost two in whatever it's been, 52 home games. Now with Texas being the second after Joe Burrow's LSU team, so analytics—that's that got to be two hardest places to win right now. Coach, can you just talk about the game plan with running the ball, especially on the road? I guess that veteran that you finished running for over 200 yards tonight. How big was that? Just sticking with the run, given how the game was going. I credit our defensive staff. You know, they did not do and. Obviously, they don't have the defensive head coach, so maybe he had more influence than we were being told. They did not play aggressive like they did a year ago. They, they really, two year, both last two years against us, they really came up, cover zero, stop the run, create negative plays, and they did not do that very much today. We had to get them into short yardage to do that, which is where you saw us hit the pop um, because they weren't giving us that, and that's unusual for them. They went much more conservative, and um, that's why you got – I'd like to say we adjusted, and that's how you know with 49 rushes to 26 passes is because of that. Lane, we saw Caden cost to kick the field goal, not Caden Davis. The first time we've seen him all year. It's the thought process of when they did Caden tonight. Just really wanted to like be the only team with two Cadens like making field goals <laughs> in games, like so. Um, maybe if you look close, there might have been a schematic or something going on there that Prescorn didn't do right. So it'd be interesting for you to look at and figure out. But Coach, you said uh, you're thankful for this team. I think it's after some games that you know after LSU, I think we're thank goodness for this team. It is Thanksgiving, so just what are you most thankful for about this particular group and how they've gotten to this point? Telling this morning, you know, I think we have a really hard program. I think that we ask a lot of them, we demand a lot of them, we we train really hard, we put a lot mentally on them, and you know, that coach says that it's not for everybody and. We've seen that this year. You know, if you look at through the season, some names that you know, they're not here anymore. It's really not for everybody. And so I commended these guys staying through. We don't have as much depth as you'd like to have, partly because of that. Um, and so they, they, they bought in and they, they play for each other. Um, and it's just really cool to see because that is the number one concern. Just like the NBA, you see those guys sign great free agent teams. They, they're going to go win win it and now all of a sudden midway through the year they lose games and they, they're not any good because they don't match they don't have chemistry well that's like five people we got 85 so um it's not it's not going to work every time unless you get the right ones and then they come together and they do the work Lane, some of your, your players um kind of build up talk about the coaching staff kind of leaving emotion out of the preparation um how did you feel like your guys handled uh, I thought good. Um, and they were down on me because I didn't ride a four wheeler into the game. So <laughs> they're like, Coach, what's up? And I'm like, Well, it's kind of with our theme of let them have all the energy, let them have all that. We'll weather that storm early. And then our plan was to out execute them, not get late penalties, not get in fights with them, not play their game, and then just out execute them and keep. The run's going to take a while, but we're just going to have to keep breaking away at it, breaking away, breaking away, and then the runs will pop. And that did some. We'll take one more. Coach, you've won a few of these uh, egg bowls now. It wasn't too long ago you were new to this rivalry. What's it mean to just you know, see those players and those seniors? You know, like you've seen this a few times. Probably doesn't get old now, but what's the, what makes this game special now that you've learned it and that you've had a lot of success in this game? I think just being around it and not even like the actual game itself, the stories of Eli Manning being around and talking to the team this week, Tom Luke. And so the passion of those guys and um, 
you know, just even today, I was reading a book on a long bus ride, some of the historic games over here. And, um, and it's, so I think that gave me more appreciation for it because we don't have this 90% Mississippi team. We got, I don't even know what the percentage is, but it's not really high. So for me too, I just had to be in it. And then I think it's like what happens in life. Unfortunately, sometimes you got to lose things in life and then you start to appreciate it more. So, okay, we got it. First year was COVID. That was cool. You know, like, Hey, we're just going to get it every year. And then all of a sudden, you know, get again. Then when we lose it, it's like, Whoa, we really lost this thing. And then I got to see how mad our fans were. You know, we go to the photo things and the rebel road trip. And then we got no trophy to take a picture with, you know, like get that egg bowl trophy back coach. I'm like, okay. So heard a lot of that. So we got it back. So we'll have a better road, rebel road trip this year. More pictures. Ole Miss was the only program in the FBS with three wide receivers that go over 700 yards receiving. I mean, that's an incredible accomplishment by itself. Uh, I disagree in that Dayton wouldn't have had a bigger role. I think he's just that kind of player to where you keep trying to recruit over him or sign over him, and he just keeps making plays. <laughs> you always just – I mean, yeah. he's incredibly talented. He's going to be a great next-level player, especially because he can play special teams. So there's a lot of transferable traits for what he's going to be at the next level. However, you're right. I mean, you're always trying to – I mean, guys are signed to be recruited over, you know, to, to be replaced. So and it's like that in the NFL – you have to prove yourself every day. And if anybody proved themselves every single day for the last two years, after a transfer and walk-on opportunity from Western Kentucky to Ole Miss, it is Dayton Wade. Who is the yeah, player? I think, I think, hold on, I'm going to touch on that for a minute. So here's here's the shitty part, and I went through this. I went through this my whole career, and I think Dayton Wade would be in the same boat. But they Dayton Wade was a five-star recruit coming out, and his name was Dayton Wade. He was ranked high, and he did what he was doing. You know what I mean? Like you would, I mean, people would be all the only kid to be whatever, but he was this walk on. So you just never, like Dayton Wade always has to perform. Dayton Wade's 99, he could do 99 good things, but one bad thing. If he did one bad thing, he'd be like, oh, he's just walk on guy, you know, whatever. Whereas like the five star guy, if he does three good things and 10 bad things. It's like, oh, you know, this guy's going to be great. So like, I respect what he did from that sense is like, that's a good point. Like, like whenever a good player, and I don't mean to knock him, but it's just it immediately comes to mind. Robert Camdici, I love Rob, but yeah, Rob was still about okay. We see that if we can channel that. Dayton Wade channels yeah, yeah. that way more often. No, no matter what Dayton Wade does, he is never going to be a household name. If Aiden Williams would have did the same thing that Dayton Wade did this year, I mean, dude, it would be like they'd have his fucking jersey at rebel rags you know what i'm saying like so i respect what Dayton Wade did because there's no matter what he's ever going to do for him unless he caught for like 1700 yards and won the blitz to call like you're still going to not be a household name as Dayton Wade but i love the mindset he had is like i don't give a shit i'm gonna go out and catch 769 yards i'm gonna be that guy although no matter what he does he'll never be looked at as like this prize recruit but if he was a five star coming in and had that oh, the pre stuff you know people would make him a fan favorite so i mean you go through that i mean i've seen that I, i've experienced the same thing no matter how good i block i was always going to be the freaking undrafted free agent that was starting but but they're always looking for like the next best thing regardless of what Dayton Wade's done you know he just didn't have the household name but i respect what he did because he he took it upon himself to say i don't care about none of that shit i'm going to go out and be one of the dudes and i think that's pretty cool i was going to do transfer um, transfer of the year, but we would probably both said Trey Harris. And it, I was trying to give some love to a player I don't think has gotten enough. We have been ragging on this offensive line, especially here lately. But one player, and, and I guess it could go to newcomer of the year, um, that really played an instrumental role in Ole Miss getting to 10 wins was Victor Kern. Is he oh, the yeah. best? Is he the most skilled offensive lineman you ever seen? No, but he can play four out of the five spots. He's going to play at the next level. And with Ole Miss losing uh, both of its tackles at one point, losing interior players, Victor Kern moved all over and played them competently. And ask yourself this: If Victor Kern didn't come in this okay. year, what would that what would that line have looked like late right. in the year? A very tough setup down the stretch. You know what I mean? You'd have probably been playing a really young guy in a crucial spot. So yeah, I mean, and when he came in, there was a lot of people that not a lot of people, but you know, reading up on him, there was I guess people at Washington weren't too fond of him. Um, you know, or, or wasn't that high on him. And I saw some stuff about him, you know, holding this, that, and the other. But, man, he came in was pretty quietly solid, you know. Yeah, kind of real solid. 
yeah, kind of played and really didn't hear from him. I, he looked great at both right and left tackle when he was in there. Um, you know, glad, glad we got him. I mean, that was a, that ended up being a quietly really good transfer. I'd like to get about three Victor Kearns this next season and yeah. not hear or, or watch us ever give up another twist or stunt for a freaking pressure. Um, <laughs> Bro, it's basic yeah, it, stuff, man. And a lot of it had to do with, I mean, Jeremy James. He moved back in to right guard after playing right tackle, was going to play left tackle at one point. Now he's back out of right tackle in the egg bowl. So I get it. There's a lot of shuffling. Eli Acker yeah. played all year. It's, but having said that, <laughs> come on, man. Stunts, twists. Yeah, I've, I've poked around and been like, man, what's going on the third line? And, you know, the way it was described to me is like, you know, sometimes, son, you know, genetics just are what they are. So um, sometimes they're just a genetic issue more so than an effort or, or, or talent yeah. issue. So they're just not – there's a few maybe that aren't, you know, quite there. So, yeah, if you're looking where Ole Miss can really improve and take that step next year, ensure its spot in the 12-team playoff, compete for national championship, very realistically have that conversation, the offensive line. I mean, I think that is the biggest portal want and need – and yet, almost will probably still go sound like seven wide receivers and two linemen. They'll be fine. But we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I, I don't know exactly what they're going to do all over, but we're going to be covering it at the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com and Affiliate on 3. We cover recruiting every single day. And if you sign up today for the Ole Miss Spirit, you can get a subscription for the low, low cost of $1. $1. And you can hang out with me and Brad and everybody else at the Ole Miss Spirit while we talk about Ole Miss. Your Ole Miss football rebels, basketball, football recruiting, basketball recruiting, baseball, you name it. All day, every day at the Ole Miss Spirit, OmSpirit.com and affiliate of Ole All right, so bowl standing for you, where would you like to see Ole Miss end up? Do you think they have a better case than most, not getting the the due or the credit they maybe deserve as a New Year's Six candidate, or do you think you know Florida is the right spot for them, or maybe best suited for them? I don't know for their resume. I, I think sadly Ole Miss is getting judged off one football game this year, and that's the Georgia game where they got dismantled. Um. But, you know, I think if they play that game within two touchdowns, it's not even a question. Not even a – I mean, there is, it's no question we're, we're number eight or nine. Suddenly they pop Missouri up over you, but, but this is what I would say. I mean, we lost two games on the road to, you know, really good teams that are, have a chance to be in the playoff on top of have two wins versus teams that one's going to go – one's Tulane, one's LSU, you know, that are going to finish pretty highly ranked. Um, we beat all the teams we were supposed to, um, you know, and, and ask yourself this. If you're if you're the Cotton Bowl, what do you think is going to bring more fans, Missouri and Texas or Ole Miss and Texas? So I, oh, I think I, th I think that's going to help us argument-wise. You know, Ole Miss travels well to bowl games. And if you are a bowl and you're having a chance, it's in your one standing all for your, you know, your, your 13th team or whatever, I think you're under the table saying, hey, committee, like – I want a, I want a team that's going to fill me up, fill up the stadium. The way Ole Miss travels the bowls, I, I feel like with Lane Kiffin, you know, I feel like if Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian would be a hell of a hell of a bowl matchup. Nobody wants to Eli Drinkowitz or whoever the, the Missouri guy is, and you know that, and whatever. Yeah. So you know, I don't. I uh, mean, we we. I feel like I feel like we're going to find a way to get in one of them. If we don't, if we play Iowa and Orlando, honestly, that's. <laughs> That's gonna that's gonna literally that's gonna defuse me. I don't know that I make that trip. I am definitely making the I would definitely make a, a, a cotton bowl. Um, just not Iowa. Please, just not Iowa. Please. Oh my god, no, dude. It, it's it, it would be like watching that egg bowl we just watched. Exactly uh. what it's gonna be like. Their defensive team, offensive molasses, um, would be would be seriously the most boring. But it, hey, it'd be, a, it'd be a path to eleven wins. Uh, I think we would we would destroy them, but they had third and goal from the nine, and they ran it right up the gut, inside zone. Third and nine in 2023, third and goal from the nine, <laughs> inside zone, right up the friggin' gut. Please, no. Please. I mean, I loved watching Quinshawn run his ass off in the egg bowl, especially when they just had nothing going. But I don't think I just want to see that again for 40 minutes. That doesn't make for the most aesthetically pleasing football game. God, what a what a time to be an Ole Miss fan. We're sitting here. We're little snobs now. We're bulls. We're ten and two. We don't want to go to the Citrus Bowl. This uh, is ridiculous. I'm not going to play Iowa. I mean, they've only won like ten games a year for the last ten years. I don't want to play them. Like, yeah, dude, we need to we need to just be thankful. But uh, I will say, I 
I, I am all in on a trip to play Texas or somebody yeah. big. I'm not all in. I don't know that I, I waste the or spend the, the extra funds to go down to Orlando to watch complete play nonsense, Iowa. complete nonsense. Maybe three days before the game, dude, you're not coming down here. Where are you? How are you doing? Dan? Blah, 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 blah. You will be there. You yeah, will be I'll there. Be there. I'll be, be there. Friggin' bells on, you know, and maybe we'll meet at magic kingdom. Cause that I think is where Ole Miss is going to end up in Orlando for the citrus bowl. And they've never played there. So again, making more history in a history making season for Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss football. Didn't Rebels. we, we, we played Indiana in the Citrus Bowl, didn't we? No, we played him in the Outback Bowl. So that was Outback? I thought that was yeah. Citrus. No, it's Outback. Tampa. Oh. Yeah. Come on now. Gotcha. Get your, get your oh. Florida cities. Get your Florida cities straight. Oh, I know you got a Hernando education, but come on, man. I mean, Orlando and Tampa are very different places. All right. I know. Are you paying oh. attention or thinking about or even concerning yourself at all with the silly season coming up? As it pertains to Ole Miss, do you expect anything Ole Miss wise in the silly season? Um, no, I don't. I think, man, I I don't think Ole Miss has to worry this this cycle. Um, yeah, I, I think the only I think at this point the only thing that would would make me nervous is like Alabama or something. I could see them, you know, maybe trying to come at Lane if if Saban were to ever step down. But hell, Saban's about to make another chance. I mean, I think they got a chance to beat Georgia and actually make the playoff this year and win a national championship. So. Um, they just don't tell them that dude's ever going to give it up. But no, I, I think Ole Miss is safe. I mean, maybe an assistant, not Golden though. Um, I think if you know if Libyans up at Mississippi State, I think that could get interesting to see you know what he does or who he tries to bring. Um, if he tries to get anybody off our staff or whatever, but I don't know. That'll be an interesting, um, interesting to see play out. I'm, I'm more, I'm more you know, interested in looking at what A and M State are going to do. Well, the interesting thing about State is if they do hire Levy. All that crap from three years ago, four years ago, you know, when Randy Clements was fired in March or April or May, whenever it was, a really bizarre time. And uh, Lebby and Lane, you know, at the end, they just they weren't they weren't buddy buddy. Man, you talk about bringing the toxic toxicity back to the egg bowl. <laughs> That's a good yeah. start. You know, let Lane and Lebby go at each other very personally. Sure. Yeah, that'll be interesting, man. I mean, they um, Oklahoma had 42 points at halftime today, so he's going to definitely bring an offense. That's what's scary. I mean, I don't know what he'll do, you know, defensively, all that. You know, I think that's a whole thing to put together. But, you know, I think State will definitely be a be a, a much better offensively than what, what we've experienced if he does go. I mean, he's a he's obviously a pretty good offensive coordinator. runs pretty much the same thing that Lane does. So, so you're confirming it right now here on the Ole Miss Morning After Show. Not so morning after show, Bradley Sal. Close friend of Jeff Lebby, saying Jeff Lebby needs to be safe. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not spoken with him. I have no idea. I, I mean, it would make sense, but I have no idea. All right, all right. Play coy all you want. I'll let you do it on the last regular season show, of the almost morning after show. I would like to do more of these. I've enjoyed it all season. It's been a lot of fun, and I, I Brad and I have been talking and pitching a lot of different ideas. But we would both, I think, like to do something regularly moving forward, right? Yeah, I did. I'm, I'm, I'm game. We're gonna, we still have some more shows. We'll do one weekly all the way up to the bowl, then after the bowl as well. So, um, I'm, I need, I want to see our opponent. Um, yeah, I think we got to get through championship weekend, all that, and then, you know, obviously we'll know from there. But, um, man, they better give us a freaking a New Year's Six bowl. I mean, why would you not, dude? You like, will take your Orlando matchup with Iowa, and you will like it, dude. But we, we have the third toughest schedule in the nation, and we're ten and two. I agree. How? How? Line those up versus Louisville. Line it up. Drop the ball. Let's see. That'll Drop just be healthy, Let's but see. yes, I yes, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Florida State too. Drop the ball. Let's go with your quarterback. Doesn't even have. I mean, they don't even have a quarterback. They they, they should drop immediately to twenty five. Like they're not that, that that put them in the playoff and just let you know. I'm ready to see a forty two to nothing game. I'm excited. Where do you think Ole Miss should be? Seventh, eighth. No, Ole Miss should be Ole Miss should be number ten, right there at number ten. I think it's fair enough. I mean, it, it, literally, dude. All and I knew this going into this this damn Georgia game. Like it, it was about it didn't matter win or lose. It mattered how the game went. And to lose fifty two to seventeen is a. I mean, it, it killed us, man. That that killed us. You could lose that game any other way, you know, but not a blowout. I mean, yeah. you would think you would think we could keep that. Hell, even a twenty point. Game is maybe a little better, maybe a 40, 40 to twenty one, with them scoring late. 
you can keep that. But a 52 to 17 where they're running the ball and like looking up at the clock every 30 seconds and snapping it in the third end of the third quarter yeah. and your backups come in and scoring, that was the worst case scenario for Ole Miss because we look like in, in the committee's mind, they're like, well, they're 10 and 2, but they beat. Arkansas by seven points, Auburn by seven points, should have lost AM, should have lost LSU. Like there's a whole argument against us being like the worst ten and two team in the nation. So um you know, we, we opened the door for that by letting Georgia expose us a little bit. So no, that's, that, that's fair. Uh, that I think that's more than fair. You know, Dan Wolken running his mouth on Twitter talking about Ole Miss is a fake good team. That kind of shit you open yourself up for it, even though it's completely unfair, completely unfounded from a guy who's faked it as being a good reporter and only has ever done anything when Tom Mars has handed it to him in almost his NCAA investigative case. It's rich coming from him. Having said that, um, you open yourself up for it when you do go lay that kind of an egg. But there was a time in that game when Ole Miss was up and Georgia was freaked, and then it just got away from you. But when you're trying to still impress a committee room instead of you know more blind resumes because there's more possibilities to get in, like that, that loss next year, even at 52-17 to 17, – won't have the same potential impact that it did this year because you cannot convince me that if LSU had Ole Miss's exact resume and just not the Ole Miss script on their helmet, they would be given a a lot more credit for for the accomplishment that this year has been. And it's been one hell of a ride for Ole Miss football. Ten and two, the second 10-win regular season in Ole Miss history. I mean, ever, and also the second under Lane Kiffin. So, Lane Kiffin deserves his flowers, too. He's Man, it wouldn't shock, it, hold on. It also wouldn't shock me if Oklahoma and LSU didn't jump us now, currently. You know, yeah. Oklahoma's going to be 10-2. and two. They've been behind mm-hmm. us most of the year just because of the simple name on their helmet. And LSU as well, a 9-3 and three LSU team versus Texas. Don't you think the committee would – I mean, they would never do that. But, like, don't color me shocked if, if something like that happens. You know what I'm saying? That's just how – just how, how it is, man. It's the same. It's a, it, same thing I'm referring to the Dayton Wade theory, right? Dayton Wade was a five star that came from some school that everybody loved, or what? Like, dude, they would be wearing this dude's jerseys, you know, at, at Rebel Rack. But instead, he's, he's Dayton Wade, right? Because like we're we're Ole Miss, right? We've got it. We're we're slowly getting out of the woods of that. Like we are we are forcing ourselves upon people where they can't just say, you know, you look at our recruiting classes, you look at the people we're bringing in, you look at what Lane Kip is doing. You just simply can't say, oh, that's old Miss anymore because of what we're accomplishing right now. But it's still going to take time. We're going to eventually have to break through and, and make it to the SC championship game or make it into the dance. Because it, even from an outside source, you know, my buddy from Chicago was texting me last night. And, you know, my early on comments were, hell, it looks like Ole Miss has given up since we were out of the playoff race. He said, well, he said, has Ole Miss ever been to the playoffs? Like, is that really the expectation there? I said, Hell yeah, that's the expectation. We're playing our coach nine million dollars a year now. So like even from the outside world, we're still just old myth to a lot of people. And we've got to fight to get out of that. And we're we're doing everything we can, but at some point we're gonna break through and that'll that'll officially get us out of that shit. This has been the Ole Miss not-so-morning-after show on this November 24, 2023. I hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to, Thanksgiving to you, Brad. I threw my back out playing backyard football. Did you do anything stupid like that? No, I didn't. I may have thrown my back out just sitting in the chair all day and not yeah, moving. But um, what's your what was your favorite favorite Thanksgiving item or meal or, or whatever or dish? My big memo makes country spaghetti. That is my favorite thing. It's been that my favorite thing since I was a baby. It's my country favorite. spaghetti. Yeah. Please describe that to me. I don't see there being any red sauce on country spaghetti. Spaghetti in a crock pot. That's all oh, I do. But it's I, a rag, is it no, ragu or what? Uh, no, 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 no. Don't don't talk about memo normal spaghetti like that. You know, you come up here to New Albania and you try it before you go and run your mouth on it. You well, you're talking you're talking you're talking to an Italian brother. So yeah, that's fair. I will say the tr- the most traditional Thanksgiving meal or Thanksgiving food that I like is sweet potato casserole. But I used to hate that yeah. shit when I was younger, and now like sweet potato sweet potato get, casserole is good. It is it, here's here's the debate: is sweet potato casserole a dessert or an actual dish? Dish. Mm. It's essentially a dessert. It, yeah, but, uh, but damn it! But but here's the thing: the turkey is so dry. You're just looking to dip that shit in anything. Yeah, to get it I, to get it. <laughs> it's make like it makes it. Why is turkey the protein we celebrate on Thanksgiving? I don't know, dude. But it's so dry. I'm like looking it for anything. I'm like, I'm like, all right, I'm dipping that shit in damn sweet potato. I'm dipping in every, anything that makes it go down without completely choking you to death. 
it just, turkey is an awful dish. I mean, I, yeah, like, my be, grandma was going, hey, grab grab some of that turkey, grab some of that baked ham. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I'll stick with the country spaghetti with the sweet potato casserole on the side. And I don't want any of that. Yeah. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, man. I enjoyed doing this with you all year. He's Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman at your NFL vet. I'm Ben Garrett at Spearbin on Twitter. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions. That's the podcast network. In iTunes, Talk of Champions, you'll find this show. You'll find the flagship. You'll find Red and Blue Smoke. You'll find Not Committed. On and on and on. A bunch of shows all about Ole Miss all the time. Just simply search Talk of Champions. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, and Brad's there too. OmSpirit.com and Food of On 30. If you sign up today, you can get a sub for the low, 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 low price of $1. The dollar menu, like at Wendy's, when you go get your junior bacon cheeseburger. Thank yeah, you, buddy. Yeah, I, I want a junior bacon cheeseburger and a subscription to them spirits. Yep, yeah. Uh, just go ask for that, and they won't look at you stupid at all. Thank you, buddy. I'll see you soon. See you, Ben. Howdy, Teddy. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.